it's this gradual scratching and clawing, absolute just trudging to say, I'm going to be the type of leader that doesn't just get buried in this business. I'm going to work on this business and it's not going to occur overnight. It's going to occur one step at a time and that's going to happen week over week over week. Well, Olivia, I'm so excited about this. Before we jump into Fundamentals 133, uh, I think it's probably fair to say that you've been one of the champions in terms of generating excitement around this idea of the fundamentals. And also, the fundamentals literally came to be in your living room uh, based on a 48-hour whiteboard session that we had trying to distill the best of what we've learned from working with businesses for over a decade now. I'd love to know just straight from you, why are you so excited about the fundamentals for healthy growth, Olivia? Way to start the podcast with an easy question, Alex. My <laughs> goodness. Um, I, I, I think if I had time to sit on this, I could probably talk about this for multiple hours. But my, my first response is I've been around business owners for, man, going on. 10 years, if I'm thinking, yeah, wow, that's wild. And something that has always been consistently true is that they know that there is a lot of work that needs to be done in their business to get them to a certain ideal that they have in their head, which is typically something around the lane of like, I'm not as stressed as I feel right now, or things are operating at a higher level than they are right now. And What's also consistently true is this lack of clarity on how to get from here to there. And what I really just love about the fundamentals is that's what this is. It is the here, what you need to do to get your business to what you're describing, this stress decreased state. And I've never seen anything like it in the marketplace, truthfully. I mean, maybe there is, but I've never seen anything like it. And so it's the path that someone can take to get their business humming in a way that it's probably never hummed before. And I think that was kind of some of the general idea we had after leaving that whiteboard session was we kind of said, we want to create a simple distilled path of what are the steps people legitimately need to take. And we don't just want to pull this out of thin air. We want to do it based on everything we've learned. And and what's so cool is it's like we asked the question and man, we tore it apart for 48 hours and now here we are and we've got it and we're starting to see that not only is stress decreasing, team member engagement is going up, leaders are reporting that they're enjoying what they're doing more, results in terms of revenue and profitability are going up when people implement these, these fundamentals and people are legitimately saying, I feel more primed and able to make the impact that I wanted to make whenever I started my business. And it's like, holy cow, like all that is happening. And I think we were excited whenever we left. I think to use some of your language, I would say I'm just even more excited now that we've got this thing out in the wild, wouldn't you say? Oh, 100%. When something's an idea in your head, like we placed a bet that if we could get a path, that it would it would serve people well. Now we have almost a year under our belt observing how this has played out in people's people's businesses and people's lives. I could not have been able to articulate what we are witnessing right now. It's phenomenal. And I mean, just to see what people are are able to do and where they've been able to come because of this, it's just such an incredible thing to watch. 
I think what would be helpful in terms of us walking through fundamentals one through three today is maybe us just unpacking what each one is and why it matters, offering a little bit of vision of what it looks like whenever it's successful, and then really kind of paint a picture of, man, when we see people actually commit themselves to this and go all in on this, this is the result that it creates for them and then by extension, their team and their business. And so the three that we're going to walk through today are personal growth plan for the leader, leader success statements, and leadership team meeting. And so let's start with personal growth plan for the leader. This is one that like when you say this is different than what the marketplace is doing right now, this is like very wildly different than what the marketplace is doing right now is people sign up for business coaching. And the first thing we're telling them now is not until you've checked the box on your personal growth plan. Explain why we thought it was worth it to make that fundamental one. Yeah, gosh. And I, it's more often than not when I'm interacting with a business owner, they're like, just dumbfounded by the fact that we're starting here. And I so distinctly remember being in the room when we were putting them in order. We had what we thought we needed to do. We were like, okay, let's get the order in place. And you were really the champion for putting this as the first one. And the the principle that you kept coming back to was, if you want to get your business in order, you have to start by getting yourself in order. And I have seen that now time and time again play out to be true. Because if the if the leader of the organization is a mess, it doesn't matter how many systems or processes you put in that business, it's going to be like putting lipstick on a pig every single time. <laughs> and and so that really was uh, setting the tone, I think, for for what they were about to embark on, not forgetting themselves, which is so typical of a business owner. That's right. And what's so wild is. We, we often talk about like, if you want to put your business in order, start by putting yourself in order. And the idea behind that, like you already alluded to, is that like, you can survey the landscape and it's really hard to find a healthy, centered, stable, organized organization led by a frantic, frazzled, <laughs> feeble, weak leader. Like it, it's actually legitimately very difficult to find. And certainly it's hard to find an example of that that's lasted for any sustainable period of time, right? Because right. something breaks down eventually. And, and so with that, uh, it's just really crucial, we think, that people first say, okay, how do I get order into my life so that I'm able to wade into the chaos that is my business? But I think that was a really interesting realization for me, in terms of how we designed the fundamentals that we didn't know whenever we first started this company, Olivia, because you were there basically from day one. And I feel like we certainly were beating the personal growth drum from day one of this organization. But literally, the plan that we set out for people whenever we started the organization was like a plan for them to be like personal growth world beaters, right? Like it's like, and we would do these sessions with people where they're like, I'm going to train for my first Ironman. I'm going to do ice baths every single day. I'm going to eat a whole 30, except I'm going to do it for three months straight, right? Like, and they're setting all these insane goals that represent discomfort, untried territory, things that you're, you're not used to. And I think we thought that was good. But then what I think we weren't accommodating for in that situation was the fact that it's like if we think of Jordan Peterson's idea of order and chaos, 
one of the things that we've come to realize is it's like so often people come to us because their business is chaos. And oftentimes, if you work with them to then create a personal growth plan that turns their whole personal life into chaos as well, because they're now trying to be uh, the person that's playing all out in the business arena and the personal arena in new territory, it's like their whole life becomes chaos. And so what we've found is, man, one of the things that we actually need to do to start is give them just a personal growth plan that will result in order at home and stability in their personal life, because if they become someone that has stability in their personal life, it will give them the ability to wade into the chaos that is their business and take it on from a posture of strength. And so I think that was a change that we really experienced. Is is there anything you'd add to that or anything you remember from that discussion that we had and that realization that we had, Olivia? Oh, goodness. Yes, two things. The first thing I remember so clearly is people getting done with their first coaching call and being like, this is good. Uh, it's also a lot. And we're like, <laughs> and that's great. You should be experiencing that. Oh, my goodness. We were so naive. And I think the thing that we've really taken into this this next iteration of our product is that simplicity scales. And I think by showing that to people in this first fundamental of the power of simplicity in their personal lives and how you can do one thing in your personal life and it will make all the difference sets the tone for the rest of the fundamentals and it shows that you don't have to be this brute force uh things always have to feel hard for things to be good self um and so in lots of ways it's also this paradigm shift folks when they engage with fundamental number one in a really, really good way. That's right. And so the way we make the personal growth plan fundamental come to life practically when people first engage with Path for Growth is we challenge them to create what we call one high return habit. And man, when we first rolled this out, especially to our existing customers, they're like, one excuse me? It was almost like insulting to people. They were like, you tell me you want one habit, right? And, and But here's the bet that we made that I've seen play out in my life is one habit applied consistently creates way more impact than 14 habits applied occasionally. 100%. And the thing that we often diminish from a leadership perspective is the value and power of every single day. And we think that we need to be doing more and bigger and wider. And in reality, man, if you chose one thing that you legitimately would do every single day that has a ramification for the other things in your day and therefore your life, what we've just seen play out with so many leaders from so many different temperaments, circumstances, wirings, backgrounds, is it's like, holy cow, there's so much more power than that than some plan that you hold to loosely and really kind of feels ambiguous and you're not actually committed to. Mm. And so does anything stand out to you about just the power of that consistency that you would really want people to hear? I once heard that confidence is keeping promises to yourself. 
And something that I think can really throw business owners through a loop is eventually something just really rattles them and they lose their confidence. And I think that in order to to do some of the really big things in business, that just can't be true of someone. And I think something that the high return habit really teaches people is that they can keep promises to themselves, which allows them to continue to do that in their organization. And it just makes all the difference. That's right. And I think sometimes we have too grand a view of ourselves yes. because we like to perceive ourselves as the type of person that like, oh, I can commit to doing five things and doing them consistently. And then we look up and four of the five are yellow, but one is green. And then we offer an excuse based on the season that we're in and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it's like, well, why didn't why didn't you just establish the one that was green and legit commit to doing that and habitualizing that before you move on to anything else? Why dilute it with all the other yellows, right? But, you know, for me, it's like my high return habit, almost always whenever I do this exercise and apply myself to it for a season, it's consistent wake up time, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like when I do that, everything else seems to fall into place, But man, when I walked through this exercise, especially for the first time, and I kind of walked through it and I asked myself the question, which is what our coaches ask uh, every single one-on-one customer, which is what is the one thing that you would do, not could do, would do every single day that would have impact for every other area of your life? Almost always for me, the answer to that question is something around a consistent wake-up time. And then I kind of have to negotiate with myself and say, well, what would I do every single day? And and then I'm like, well, am I such a schmuck that I can't do anything more than 6 a.m., right? Like, really? I can't do more than that? And then it's like, well, yeah, quite frankly, I don't know that I can commit to doing more than that. But what's wild is when, you know, in a specific season, when I commit to saying 6 a.m., but I'm going to do 6 a.m. every single day, that commitment I love the word you use. It takes on more value and power than just a commitment. It takes on the tone of a promise. Mm -hmm. And I start to respect it more. And I start to say, man, it may be that bad. It may be that dismal that this is all I can commit to right now. But if this is all I can commit to right now, dadgummit, I'm going to commit to this right now. And I'm going to make a point of it. And so in some ways, I'd say like step one to a personal growth plan and therefore the key to unlocking growth in every single other one of the fundamentals is humility. 100%. Because how often do we carry the weight of promises we don't keep to ourselves? And then what does that do? That's just exhausting. And then you can't be your creative best self. And then we wonder why we can't hit our strategic priorities in our business. And we wonder why our team also seems exhausted. And we, you know, you could say this is a stretch, like connecting all of these things to your one personal habit. But I do believe that it's a trickle effect. And and so if if we're gonna practice the act of being humility, having humility and committing to the things that you can only do with excellence right from the get-go. Well, then imagine what that looks like when you build on it over the course of the rest of the fundamentals, which we can talk more about that as we move through them. That's exactly right. So the big message that I want people to understand out of this is principally and maybe even philosophically, that that model of that paradigm that Jordan Peterson communicates so well of chaos and order, right? What is order? Order is consistency, 
stability, predictability, dependability. Chaos is not just anarchy. Chaos is the uncertain, the unknown, the risky, but it's also the area where everything that's untried and creative and adventurous occurs. Mm -hmm. And what we need to recognize is that you, you never want to get to a spot where you're entirely order because then life becomes remarkably boring and you become very complacent. But you also can't be a person of total chaos in business and life because then there's zero predictability and everything feels like stress. And so I love the phrase that he uses. The goal is to be the force that mediates between the two. And what we need to recognize is that what we're about to walk through with the 11 remaining fundamentals represents you stepping courageously into chaos. You are going to take on the dragon that is your unhealthy, unstructured, disorganized dumpster fire of a business, right? I'm painting the most, the darkest picture I possibly can here, right? But you're going to run straight into that, right? And you're going to take that dragon and you're going to subdue it into order, and the way that you tame a dragon is you make sure you got some order already in yourself. And if you're out here simultaneously trying to go on some personal growth adventure where you're like doing the biggest goals you've ever set and becoming some person that you've never been and, and trying to take on athletic challenges and trying to be the, the world's greatest parent and trying to become a professional five-star chef all at the same time, you're, you're not going to be able to do both. And so if you want to create an ordered business, let's do that from a posture in place of an ordered life. And that doesn't mean that you won't then be able to go on that personal growth adventure. That just is way more radically possible the minute you turn your business into an asset instead of something that owns you. Mm. And so I'll turn it back to you if there's anything else you want to add to this before we move on to the, move on to the second fundamental. But I really think that is one of the goals of the fundamentals is taking your business and stewarding it as an asset that you own instead of being a disorganized mess that owns you and tells you where to put your time. Mm. Yeah. When what comes to mind with what you just said is we're not saying that you're not going to one day get to be more robust in your personal life. We're saying clarity creates action and right now, there's probably too many areas that you're trying to act in without clarity. So let's follow a path. And that's what the fundamentals are. And now what we're seeing with folks who are getting really close to being all green, which is a lingo that we use when we say kind of complete in the fundamentals, is this abundance of opportunity for them to now cast vision for their personal life. And they're getting to do it in a way that is fun and adventurous and with a capacity that they didn't have 12 months ago. But they were always able to anchor it back on that one thing that they were doing for themselves that entire time, which is their high return habit. I love that. Yes. So with that, let's jump into fundamental number two. We started with the personal growth plan for the leader, and that was the creation of the high return habit. The next fundamental is the leader's success statements. So to give people visibility into what we're talking about here, we always say that success statements are three to five statements that define what winning looks like in a given role, project, or meeting. 
And we say that part of operationalizing anything in a business is starting with the standard of what winning looks like. That's literally what success statements are. And what we found is that before you operationalize anything else in a business, you first have to establish a degree of consistency within what your role is and what you're responsible for. And I think the principle here that we highlight all the time, uh, one of our coaches, Kyle, he says this literally all the time is, if you want to hold accountable, start by being held accountable. Mm -hmm. And what I've often found is that CEOs are doing a lot, but they're often accountable to very little because there's nowhere where it's documented what they're actually responsible for. And instead of focusing on being productive, they're more just creating a smoke and light show with how busy they are. And I think that's really what fundamental number two is all about. It's saying, let's stop being just enamored with being busy and let's start being productive. What's kind of wild is right before we started recording this podcast, I, I'm training one of our new coaches for, for the coaching team here at Path for Growth. And part of our training process is we do mocks where I pretend to be customers and they run us through different parts of our coaching product. So today, the, the piece we ran through was they helped me create my role success statements. And so it's always really eye-opening when I'm pretending to be a customer because I feel what it's like to say the things that I've experienced hearing as a coach. And so I, I think I played it completely straight. But when I said the list of things that I did in that role, my goodness, I had 30 to 40 different categories and by the end of the exercise, we whittled it down to five key areas. And I, in my pretend version of myself, just felt my shoulders relax and myself let out a deep breath because it's what I think you said this at the, at the top of this episode, but rather than going in and out and wide, we went in and deep with the things that really mattered. And that is powerful when someone can, can hone that in. Yeah. I, I think the idea there, too, that we often miss is that the path to working on the business is not working in the business harder. Yes. It is so easy to buy into this idea that like, oh, the way a hamster gets off the hamster wheel is they run faster. And it's like, no, no, that's not that 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 just makes the wheel run faster, right? And if you continue to work in the business harder, all you're doing is generating more work and you're teaching people that that's the type of leader that you are. And so the way that you get off a hamster wheel is you get off the freaking wheel. And, and obviously, obviously, that doesn't occur overnight. Right. But it does occur with a line in the sand decision of this week, I can dedicate 30 minutes to doing what CEOs do. And what's so cool is if you actually dedicate yourself to that 30 minutes and go all in and work on your business for 30 minutes, you'll look up in three weeks and you'll now have an hour. Because you've automated some things, you've delegated some things, you've created some systems and processes, maybe you've eliminated some, some work. And then if you look up in two or three weeks and you've got an hour, well, then if you get really deliberate and intentional about that, three, maybe four weeks later, you will have bought yourself two hours. And then it's this gradual scratching and clawing, absolute like just 
trudging to say, I'm going to be the type of leader that doesn't just get buried in this business. I'm going to work on this business and it's not going to occur overnight. It's going to occur one step at a time and that's going to happen week over week over week. Final thing that I'll share on this is I think the reason why I'm so passionate about fundamental number two and one of the reasons why I was so like really, really adamant that we put this early in the structure of how we built out the fundamentals was early on in this business, I had a business mentor of mine tell me, Alex, the problem with most CEOs is they spend 85, 90, 95% of their time doing things that CEOs don't actually do. And he said, I want you to really focus on the things that actual CEOs do, which are vision. He said, I want you to live 18 months in front of your organization and its people. He said, culture and the health of your team. He said, leadership team accountability and development. And then finally, he said, season-specific problems and, and opportunities. But specifically, that season-specific problems, he said, that's not carp launch for you just to go put out every fire that's in the organization, right? For you then just to work in the business as much as you want. He said, those are chronic problems that need CEO involvement. Everything else, to the degree that you can, you should be removed from. And him laying that groundwork, I've been far from perfect at it, but him laying that groundwork for me gave me an idea of what my vision is for what my role should be. And I think it's impacted me immensely, but I think it's also really impacted our team, you know? Oh, 100%. If you weren't as dedicated to one, working towards working exclusively in your role success statements, because as you said, this doesn't happen overnight. I've observed and witnessed you over the years get more and more specialized in your role as CEO. But if you weren't committed to that and committed to the act of being held accountable to those areas, then I wouldn't have a vision for what that looks like for myself and my role on my team. And so again, another reason why we put this second is Oftentimes people come to us because there's some type of personnel issue, the team's not operating in in a highly effective way, something's going on within the team, within the people in the organization. And before we can jump to them, we have to start with the leader because it all just trickles down. Again, I feel like the fundamentals, everything's just like it's a trickle down effect. And uh, you doing the work as the CEO has just absolutely magnified our team's ability to be successful in their roles, which is kind of counterintuitive if you think about it. You removing yourself in my lane of work, jumping in on things that are going on that the coaching manager is supposed to do, actually makes my work a lot easier. It's wild how that happened. Yeah, that that is wild. I mean, it's a testament to hiring great people, but it's also a testament to the fact that a lot of times when I get tempted to get hyper involved in the business, it's because I want to go be busy instead of being productive. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'll look up and I'll say, Oh, but look at everything I did in the business. I I coached all these clients and I I went to all these calls and I was on all these meetings, but then we're red, yellow, greening my success statements, which are around vision, culture, uh, leadership development, accountability, and season-specific problems and opportunities. And we look at those and we say, okay, Alex, that's great that you did all that, but these are the results that we're paying our CEO for. And (laughs) we're not paying our CEO to be busy. 
right? You as the owner of your business, you're not paying your CEO to be busy, right? And by the way, you're probably both of these hats, right? But I, as the owner of my business, am not paying Alex, the CEO, to be busy. I'm paying Alex, the CEO, to be productive in the areas that matter most. Does that mean that that's the only things he will do? Likely not. He will probably do a lot of things beyond those three to five success statements. But the principle is this, what you look at moves, And if you define the five results that you're responsible for in your role, and then you start looking at it, and every single week, you're going to red, yellow, green those. And this is what we do with our coaches, right? Our coaches sit down with their one-on-one customers. And what we do on every call is let's red, yellow, green your success statements. And it's the same thing every single time. Every single time, it's a drop in the bucket, right, of accountability. And you start off as red almost always. But you know what's wild is you don't even have to have too many conversations about it. You will not look at that thing being red for more than a month or two before you start saying, like taking wildly aggressive action to see things changed because what you look at moves. And so I think there's just so much power to number one, clarifying the standards of what winning looks like in your role and then creating a system or a cadence of accountability to make sure that you're actually moving the needle on the things that your role is responsible for. Uh, Olivia, before we move on, is there anything else that you would add on the topic of leader success statements? I have yet to see someone come into the Path for Growth community and not be absolutely shook by this fundamental. It opens their eyes in a way that I don't think they've ever been opened and shows them a path that's possible that I don't think that they even knew existed. And so I think time and time again, I'm always just really awe-inspired by the power of this particular fundamental. And, and the, the results that it creates for the yeah. leader. But then also, man, people get so inspired when you start to get your act together. It, it's wild. Like, you know, we start to go and organize and change everyone else. And what's wild is, man, if you just get your act together People will see that and they will find that so attractive and they'll be like, oh man, whatever that person's doing, I want some of that, right? And the goal here is is that you become so productive and so focused and so engaged and so calm in your spirit because you have a sense of what you're here to do that people on your team say, can you help me do what you did? And then you say, well, hold on, because that's not till fundamental 11, but we're going to get there in just a second. And then we're going to go to town on creating your success statements. And that's when things get really fun. That actually sets us up really well for the third fundamental. And the third fundamental is creating your leadership team and then establishing a rhythm for your weekly leadership team meeting. This was also one that was really interesting because I think early in the process of us whiteboarding all this out, This fundamental, mainly due to the amount of time it takes to do it well, there's a lot of people that do this haphazardly and not well, but whenever you do this well, it takes takes time and energy. Um, As a result, this fundamental was pretty late in the process, and then it was kind of like a dark horse, like out of left field, like Rangers in the World Series type thing, that it's like, oh, out of nowhere, leadership team meeting moves up to number three in the lineup, right? And so I'd love you to kind of articulate, even just based on now what we've seen in terms of the results for our customers and for ourselves personally, why it's so crucial that this one comes third. The first thing that I would say is 
you're about to embark on a lot of work with following fundamentals. And we realized as we were putting the order in place that it was necessary to, one, begin the rhythm and cadence of setting aside time once a week to focus on things in the business that matter most, whether that's just you by yourself or you with your collective uh, group of leaders that you've identified in your organization. And so, again, I think so much of these first three is building the habits that you will need to sustain you through to the, the following nine. Um, and so it's habit, habit formation. The second is we realized that a number of these fundamentals like mission, values, they were going to need the voices of the leadership in the organization to truly get it right. Sure, you as the CEO could go and do those things by yourself, but we found tremendous value in working on that, you with Zach. I know I spoke into those when we were forming them and how they really captured the heart of our organization. And so that's one example of getting multiple voices in in the room talking about those things. So those are the two I would say, the perspective of, of everyone in the room together and then building the habit that you'll need to sustain you. That's so good. Uh, the other thing that I, I might add to that is that part of trust building is shared context. Oh, and uh, Olivia mentioned mission and values, but we're also going to get in the fundamentals later in the process, like role chart and one-on-one -on -one meetings for leading and managing and holding people accountable and creating a vision charter that's going to define where the organization is going qualitatively and quantitatively over the course of the next three to five years. All those things represent change because growth represents change. And if you get to establishing the role chart and then creating a flow of accountability on, and one-on-one -on -one meetings, and no one with influence on your team has the context as to why you're doing it and the decisions that you've made to get there and the values that are in place and they weren't in the room for when the values were decided that are now informing these role chart decisions. If they weren't there for any of that, their natural posture should be distrust. And so what you want is you want the influential players on your team that you really feel like you can lock arms with, you want them in the room for this stuff because change is hard for everyone. I actually believe that. I don't, anyone that says, oh, I just love change. I don't, I, no. Talk to me about the next time you get into a traffic jam that's created by construction on the highway and then tell me how much you love change, right? Because construction is changing. You can tell me, oh, it's going to be this great four lane highway. Yeah, but it's not right now. You hate change, right? <laughs> The, the, the difference maker for whether we embrace change or resist change is did we initiate it or did we have it forced upon us? And if your most influential players on the team feel as though the changes that you're making were enforced upon them, it will not go well with your soul, <laughs> right? And so it would be wise to have them in the room, to which the question that's always asked is, okay, well, who is them, right? Who are they? And I think it would be helpful for us just to share the criteria that we teach within the fundamental three lesson to really define who is on the leadership team. And this is obviously the discussions that our one-on-one -on -one coaches help walk people through. 
Uh, so there's five criteria. I'm going to say them all. And then if there's things that you want to add or double click on, Olivia, I'll pass it to you. Number one, someone should be considered for your leadership team if you trust their integrity and their competency. They align with your organization's mission and values. They want to be a part of the leadership team. That's important. They want to be a part of the leadership team. They have decision-making responsibility and authority, and they represent one of the core functions of the business. And so those are the criteria that we really say, use that as a filter to define who is in the room for these weekly meetings, and therefore, who's going to really help you craft all of the elements that are going to come out of the next nine fundamental lessons. Olivia, what would you like to add here just to give people clarity on what this looks like and and how to go about doing it? I think the biggest hangups that I've seen when people are at this step is the fourth and fifth uh, reasons that you gave. So they have decision-making capability and they represent a core function of the business. Because more often than not, if you've been in business for a long time, you've probably developed this team that has some deep camaraderie, some deep roots. And there's people on there that you've consulted about things a good bit and they're wise and they have great perspective. And you're probably going to be tempted to say, oh, for sure, they're they're natural leaders. They're leaders in the organization because they have so much influence with their peers. And what's hard is, well, actually those aren't the best people to have in the room for this type of a thing. And like, I think about, um, I think about Kyle, when you say this, like he is so wise and I'm constantly talking to him about things in the coaching department, but at the end of the day, in his given role, he, he doesn't have those two things. And so he's not on the leadership team for that probably particular reason. And so I think really spending time like, Sitting with those two when you're thinking about the possible options that you're working when, that you're working through, um, and making sure that those two are absolutely true before inviting someone into that meeting. That's right, and you can't make decisions around this based on people's feelings or perceptions, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's, I mean, you brought up Kyle; he's such a good example, right? Like he, I mean, he could stand toe to toe in a leadership and business conversation with me, you, or Zach. Right. He, I mean, the guy is so sharp, right? It's, I mean, we've created a system that hires really, really high caliber one-on-one coaches that have owned or run a business themselves, right? He took a business from 7 million to 20 million in like a handful of years. It was insane, right? And so the guy, the guy's a stud, but his role is one-on-one coach. And he's chosen that like the people that I want to lead are the business leaders that we interact with in a customer regard or in a customer relationship. And and that means that I'm not going to be part of this leadership team here right now because I'm not responsible for making decisions in this context. And that is really the step from going from generalization to specialization. And what's so cool is when you allow people to step fully into their role as a specialized team player, I mean, people like Kyle thrive, right? And he's still leading. It's just in a, it's just in a different context. And we would have diluted, completely diluted his leadership effectiveness in his coaching relationships if we said, hey, we also want you to be part of this 90-minute meeting that we have once a week and all of the leadership actions and discussions surrounding it so that we don't hurt anyone's feelings, right? It's just not helpful. Okay, so fundamental three, 
The first piece of it is defining your leadership team and making sure that you reorganize it in the right way. Then the second piece of it is oftentimes what people actually lack in fundamental number three. A lot of times they've got their leadership team. The thing that they lack is a consistent cadence of leadership team meetings. And so what we walk through is the format for a really effective, but also basic and simplified leadership team meeting that you're going to apply yourself to every single week. I often see that people have a leadership team and they have what they call a leadership team meeting, but it's not really a leadership team meeting. It's a leadership team hangout. Mm -hmm. And it's where we get together and we shoot the breeze on things in the organization that have our attention at that time. There's no structure. There's no flow. There's no consistency. There's not a written agenda. It starts not on time and it ends way later than it possibly should. And things, as a result, don't create any compounding impact because we're basically just chipping away at different stones every single week. Conversely, when you apply yourself to a consistent rhythm of the same written agenda and the same format and the same structure every single week, are you going to hit a grand slam every single week? Absolutely not. But base hits every single week will beat a grand slam once a year all the time. And so it's just committing yourself to the process and teaching the leaders that you lead that consistency compounds. And there's value in us meeting in the same way every single time. What else would you add on the topic of the weekly leadership team meeting that we teach people within fundamental number three? Again, I go back to the tone setting. So this is an opportunity for you to show your high-level leaders in your organization exactly what you just said, that consistency compounds. Because ultimately where you're going is you want those same leaders to be able to show that same consistency with their direct reports in whatever capacity that looks like. And if they're not experiencing that from you and your leadership, then why in the world would they go out into the organization and show it to the people that they're leading? And so... We are building not only things that are going to directly serve the organization through meeting once a week and talking about the things that matter most, but also through the the habits and the systems that you are teaching your team through acting on this consistently. That's exactly right. So the first three fundamentals are personal growth plan for the leader, leader success statements, and leadership team meeting. Uh, let's lay out kind of the plan of where we're going in the next several episodes. Next, we're going to focus on mission, core values, and product guide. From there, we'll go to financial health, metrics and rhythms, role chart, and leadership team success statements. And then finally, we'll close out with leadership team one-on-one meetings, team communication, and your organization's vision charter. And those represent what we call the fundamentals for healthy growth. And we believe they represent the structure to keep you where your growth as an organization is taking you. Hey, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that if you are an impact-driven leader that owns or runs a business and you're like, man, this structure is what we need for our business because we feel a little bit disorganized and chaotic right now. And what I really need is a clear path. Well, that's really what we've created within the fundamentals. And right now we're doing something really cool. It's a 14-day free trial where you get access to every fundamental lesson that is the most actionable 
content we've ever created and all of the workbooks for you to be able to actually start applying this stuff. And so if that's something that you're interested in, you can click the link that's in the show notes or go to pathforgrowth.com to apply for that 14-day trial. Olivia, thanks so much for sharing your perspective on this episode. I look forward to doing more with you very soon. Y'all know this. We're rooting for you. We're praying for you. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.